Hello, I'm Kathy. And I'm Gary. And this is Torah Talk. Welcome to Torah Talk, the intersection of the mundane and the miraculous. Here we have bold conversations about faith, culture, and politics, and where we fit into God's plans in the 21st century. If you could partner with God, would you? Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us for part two of a two-part series called The Great Reset versus The Great Restoration. Now, in our previous podcast episode, Gary and I talked about the worldwide human efforts to bring about something called The Great Reset. Now, this is not a name that we gave to these efforts. It is what it, it's what it's called by those who are trying to implement it. In short, The Great Reset is a global move toward collectivism and soft authoritarianism using the power of money printing to coerce and control the world's most influential and powerful businesses. In the end, The Great Reset allows governments to manipulate businesses, society, and economic activity in unprecedented ways. Now, who's involved with this effort? The easiest answer is is most of the world's elite, those in charge of just about everything. That would include our current presidential administration, leaders of much of the free world, CEOs of most major international corporations and banks, the United Nations, and most importantly, they're all working under the leadership umbrella of an international organization called the World Economic Forum. In fact, the head of the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, had this to say, the world must act jointly and swiftly to revamp all aspects of societies and economies, from education to social contracts and working conditions. Every industry, from oil and gas to tech, must be transformed. In short, we need a great reset of capitalism. Great, right, Gary? Great. Oh, yeah, <laughs> makes me feel great. <laughs> exactly. You know, well... I'm hoping that just when you hear those words as an audience, it'll just send a chill up your spine Mm. to think about there's a group of people that are trying to basically transform everything in the entire world. What could go wrong with that? What could go wrong with that? That's a (laughs) great question. (laughs) You know, so I encourage you, if you have not listened to part one of this series, please go back and listen to it to get the details, the specific details about the Great Reset. Because I believe that you too will rightly conclude that this is a plan that is Shall we say straight from the pit of hell? Do you think that's too drastic, Gary? You know what? No, I don't. Absolutely not. You know, every time you you uh, bring up this topic and we talk about it, I can't help but think of those words, let us make a name for ourselves that exactly. we read in Genesis. And I know we'll talk about that more later. But wow, is this fly in the face of, of Abba, you know? Absolutely, it's, it's, it's absolutely. And flies in the face of our God. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to show that specifically. In the last episode, we gave the details um, of what the Great Reset looks like practically and the words of the people specifically who were involved in it. So hopefully after today's episode, you're going to understand why I chose to describe the Great Reset as being straight from the pit of hell. <laughs> so, so after this message, let's talk Torah and let's talk about the Great Reset versus the Great Restoration. 
For over 25 years, Ezra International has been helping the poorest of the poor Jewish people escape poverty and persecution. In fact, almost 80,000 Jewish people have now returned to Israel with our help. The average cost to rescue one Jewish person is $360. Your gift of just $30 a month over one year can help return a Jewish person to Israel and restore their hope for a better future. Please go to EzraInternational.org and give your best gift today. Okay, welcome back, everybody. So I said before the break that um, I was describing the Great Reset as being straight from the the pit of hell. And um, I know that sounds drastic to people. Yeah, it, it may, but when you really consider the target, remember, Kathy, when we did our our, our podcast about um, cancel culture, the target is always the same. The target is Jehovah, our, the creator of the universe, our God. In, in this re- reset, it's about making some type of earthly utopia without God or a, or a kingdom of elites running the world without God. That's always the, always the target, it seems. Nothing new under the sun, under <laughs> exactly, the sun right? Exactly. So what we've got here is that it's really, so you're saying it's the continued battle. It's been mm-hmm. the same battle throughout time, Absolutely. right? Uh, the forces are still aligned with God and against God. Mm-hmm. Same, same, same force. Right. And I think that it's good to understand the great great reset in these terms, these uh, spiritual terms. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important if we're going to learn to stand against this and these efforts, we've got to know our enemy. Okay, Um, and and what does our Bible say about the enemy? And, you know, in Ephesians six, it says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's not against Klaus Schwab. Or Joe Biden, right. or um, is CEOs of any bank or anything mm-hmm. like that. What's going on is much, much bigger, and it's important for us as people of God to remember that. Right, right. Remember and recognize. I mean, because sometimes the, their words sound so flowery and so good. They use great terminology and buzzwords that help to make us think that this is a good thing for the world. And uh, if you understand the source behind it, it, it makes it. So so much easier to to be that uh, those of us who would say just say no just no, say no, no we, we don't want any part of it <laughs> right you know if you look at this and i think a lot of you know a lot of christians are uncomfortable with this idea of all of these forces going on or listen maybe you're not uncomfortable but maybe you just don't think about it a lot you know although maybe some of you are thinking about it a lot more lately as mm-hmm. you see what's going on and you pick up your newspapers every day but always remembering that the source behind all of these efforts to as we've said before cancel god or create this this kingdom on earth without god the source behind that is always the adversary it's mm-hmm. always Satan and and his team, okay, or minions as some people would call mm-hmm. the, um, it, it's his his demons, these uh, spiritual forces of darkness, as Ephesians said, mm-hmm. okay, those are the ones always behind it. So I think it's important that we go back and let's know our enemy. Let's go back and see what the word says about the adversary, about Satan, and it's not much. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, no. specifically, it's not it's not a whole lot. So you really have to pick and choose, and and I mean, look and see what you, what you've got there. Now, Ezekiel twenty eight um, says that it, it it it's identified as speaking about someone known as the king of Tyre. Mm. But what's important to recognize what the Bible does a lot in prophecy is something called double reference. It'll be speaking about, at the same time, both an earthly person and a spiritual reality that exists at the same time. It is clear when you read Ezekiel 28 that there are parts of it that cannot be referencing an earthly man. It just can't. It has to be referencing Satan. So if we, let's turn, if you've got your Bibles, let's look at Ezekiel 28. And it is describing it. It actually says, son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre. Okay. And mm-hmm. I'm going to say slash Satan. Right. All right. And say to him, thus says the Lord God. It says in Ezekiel 28, 14, you were an anointed guardian cherub. Yeah, so obviously we're not talking about the king of Tyre now. Absolutely. Right. Right. No, all all of a sudden we've got something totally different going on here. Mm -hmm. Now, what's interesting, some Bibles say an anointed cherub who covers. They get that guardian is this idea of covering, and that's absolutely correct because in the Strong's Concordance, the word there is sakak, to cover, defend, overshadow or screen Mm -hmm. okay so what we have here is god anointed and i'm going to use right now a word commission Mm -hmm. okay and we're actually going to do our next podcast on the word anointing because i realized as i was preparing this one that um there was a lot of misunderstanding or disagreement with what the um, word anointing means. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christians just have a real hard time. I, well, I don't want to say they have a hard time. Everybody thinks they know what it means. Right. And, and well, when I was y- talking, people don't agree. You know, we're, and that's normal, and that's going to happen. But the, the idea of, of a uh, something evil having a, using that term anointed with that with something evil has uh, Christians have a hard time with that. But in understanding the term that the appointment or or, or purpose commission. or commission of what that 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 entity or that deity or whatever you want to call it uh, was given. Uh, that, that if it came from God, then then yeah, we can use that term. I think we can use that yeah. term. And I said, if that's uh, disturbing to you, mm. um, l- please listen to the next podcast when we talk about that because we go into great detail why I feel pretty confident that we can use that term. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 indeed, the Bible uses that term there. So it does say anointed, and yeah. it is talking about Satan. Exactly. Okay. So anyway, what we have here is that. God anointed or commissioned Satan as a guardian cherub who covers. This idea of covering can indicate protection, like he was protecting the holiness of God. Remember, you see when you look at the Ark of the Covenant, what yeah. do you see? The Cherubim. two cherubs. Yeah. Yeah. What do they do? They've got their 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 wings out over covering mm-hmm. the 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 seat there. Okay, right. the mercy seat. The yes. mercy seat. So that is a covering. Okay, so I think that that's 
That's what Satan was supposed to do was that protection cover protecting God's glory was still what the Levites had to do mm. too. It was their job was they protected his glory and his holiness so that other people didn't mess mess with it at all. That was their job. That's an important point that you're making there without getting too far off top, topic is that the what we see within the the uh, instructions to Moses about setting up the, the priesthood and, and the tabernacle all was to replicate that which was happening in heaven. Yes, absolutely. So, so I think that it's safe to say because the Bible says it, Satan had this anointing um, as a guardian cherub who covers, which I think we can say is protecting, okay, protecting God's holiness. I believe, and like I said, listen to our next podcast, that this anointing is still there, mm -hmm. that God has not taken away this anointing, this commissioning that he gave him. Um, I think what happened is that now Satan uses this anointing to serve himself mm -hmm. instead of God. Exactly. It, his pride is his lifted up. He wants uh, that, that overshadowing that used to be called protection now is uh, trying to, to deceive, to hide uh, the reality of what God is doing on the earth. And, and he has puffed up to, to, to lead. He, is, he, he wants to be the ruler of man's lives. Exactly. And it's really interesting that you can use that idea of covering in both a positive and a yes. negative way. Yeah. I, I love how the Hebrew, that mm -hmm. happens a lot. Lot, yeah, you know, and so I, I find that that really interesting. And you actually, what you were just saying is is exactly what the rest of Ezekiel starts talking about. It says of Satan, "You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden." The garden of God. Okay, once again, mm. we know this is not an earthly person. Right. Okay, again, not, not the king of Tyre. Not the king of Tyre. And then it says. In verse 17, your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he corrupted his own wisdom that God gave him, yeah. all right, because he became proud. Right. Pride always before, before fall, fall, before fall literally. <laughs> I know it's a very common, and, and here you have him puff up, look at me, look at me. You know, that that is... That is the downfall of many leaders that we, well, I'll just call them religious leaders for mm -hmm. sake of argument right now. Uh, when, when the focus becomes them versus pointing to the Father. What did Yeshua always do? He pointed to the Father. He never took the glory upon himself. Yeah, yes, that's, that's for sure. And I think you're exactly right. And I think that that's, that, that's nothing new under the sun either. Mm -hmm. You know, the Hebrew word for wisdom there in the Strong's Concordance, is um, means shrewd. And then if you look and you read through the concordance, you find that it means skilled. And there's three really interesting areas. This skill is skilled in administration, skilled in war, skilled in religious affairs. Wow. Isn't Satan skilled in all of those areas, Oh, my gosh. Gary? I think we could do probably three podcasts just on that topic alone. When you think about how he has... What's what's one of the most common phrases we hear repeated over and over and again in the in the liberal movement? 
it, uh, Rahm Emanuel's famous "Never let a, a tragedy go to waste." Right. Or, right? right. War, war has been used for generations as okay. Here we can accomplish, you know, the, our hidden agenda through while well, everybody's focused on war and killing one another, and and let's get them fired up about that. Uh, we can accomplish so much in the midst of that, right? Yes. Let's that's, keep that's everybody fo focused on war. That's why we have the war on poverty. Get right. everybody yeah. like all upset about this and then we can make huge changes there in a country go. if you yeah. just define it as war it's, define it as war and everybody line up the good little soldiers we've got to do this for your own good right. and then of course religious affairs how much corruption has occurred over the years in the name of, of religiosity i mean you know we're, we're here today because we're trying to expose truth bring about truth within within you know in within christianity within and sometimes we even address within judaism and and yet here here over centuries we've seen corruption of god's word and used to control and manipulate people and then you look at the administration that's what the Great Reset is all about. Yeah. It's administration, bureaucracy, running things. That's just another word for government. Mm -hmm. Okay, administration is just another word for governing. And have they not enlisted the services of those in in religious affairs to, yes. to fool the masses? Exactly. So you're like, okay, it seems to me is not a far stretch to think that Satan still has these particular skills. Yeah. I think we okay? see it every day. I think we see operation. it every day, the perversion of this particular wisdom. He corrupted his own wisdom, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, we've said before, um, you know, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. And if you've been listening to our podcast, you know that that word, word for world, that's always a hard phrase for me to say, <laughs> <laughs> word for world is cosmos, mm -hmm. Greek, and it means order. So that God loves the order that he established back in Genesis. Yeah. That's what he loves. And I love this, the fact that you, you know, you're, you're pointing this out once again, Kathy, that, that he loves his order. I think it's so telling. God created and he said, it is good. And then man corrupts. And then Jehovah sends his son to restore. And what happened? Man corrupts. And you know, I know we're going to get into this more, but it, it's there's this, this pattern that sets up uh, with with God, God with, with what God did is good, and then man corrupts. Yes, yes, his order is good, and then man has to come up with something on his own. Mm -hmm. Now, the enemy wants something on his own. He wants, I'll use the term we've all heard, a new world order. Oh, yeah. That's that's just saying he does not like the order that God has established. He wants something new. Mm -hmm. So let's look in the Bible at who was the first person who really tried to establish a new world order. We know this guy, Gary. <laughs> Drum roll, please. <laughs> who might he be? It is Nimrod. Yeah. It's Nimrod. Yeah. Our, our buddy Nimrod, the mighty hunter before or in the face of God, okay? Mm -hmm. it, it's Nimrod. Nimrod is the one who was behind the whole Tower of Babel. You know, we, we, we right. know that. And But what's interesting is when you even go back to his name, his name is related to the Hebrew word marad, which means to rebel. There it is. Well, who is he rebellion against? Yeah, God, of course. Yes. And who was the first rebeller? 
Satan. Satan. So he's exactly. modeling himself. There's a after, theme there, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it says uh, that that Nimrod began to be a mighty one in the earth. Mm-hmm. Now, what's really interesting, I love going into the Hebrew. That began to be halal is means when you look that up to become profaned, defiled, polluted desecrated ritually sexually or genetically mm. whoa yeah that's a, that's a could scary be one all there. of those things or really. all, or all the that, above, that's right? a whole yeah. thing in and of itself so he began to be and, and i think it's in the same way that satan um uh corrupted his own wisdom mm. nimrod corrupted himself too okay? oh sure and yeah. and the, they do this by making a choice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, and, and it's, it's that choice about self. It's all about me. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and we know that from, from uh, history, what, what Nimrod did. Right. It's always about choice. Now it said that he was a mighty one, a Gabor. One of the words that's translated Gabor, mighty one can mean a big, large, okay. As in a, you know, a giant, but it also means a tyrant. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, jo- Josephus had something to say about that that, right, Gary? Yeah, absolutely. You always said, talked about that. Well, I found this quote initially because of my research uh, with Jeremiah sixteen sixteen, the hunters, uh, the fishers and the hunters in regards to the Aliyah, which, you know, you know what I'm involved in, and I, the audience probably does by now. Um, but he, but Josephus said 2,000 years ago, Josephus lived and said of Nimrod, who was about 4,000 years ago, that he gradually changed the government into tyranny, seeing no other way of turning men from the fear of God, but to bring them into constant dependence upon his power. And that, and what power was that? Well, let's see. If I can control everything that for in your life, like your your food, your water, your, your housing, your housing your, if, if that can... Your if health that, care. Yeah, if you have to come to me for that or depend on my government, then you become dependent on, on, on me and not God. You forget about God's provision and you, that, this is this is a pattern set up four thousand years ago that is still in use today. In in every version of uh, socialism, communism, it, it uses that same basic formula. Okay, yeah. get everybody dependent on government, and and take them away from God. It's it's the same formula. Yeah, and you know, and the why why think what what are the evil things that are tied to this? If you have to, you want to eliminate God. First of all, we know that it's get it, Satan's covering of God. Eliminate, erase him, cancel him from from your consciousness. Well, then it then it kind of trickles down to those who represent God. Right? Where does anti-Semitism come from? Hate the Jews. Why? Because they represent him. Hate the the true uh, Bible believing Christians. Why? Because they hate because they represent him so this trickles down to hatred for all those who represent him as well yes it's the same hatred it's the same hatred you know we talked about in the last podcast our our president uh was used is using a term called build back better and you know it dawned on to on, on on me that when you look at the Tower of Babel story, mm-hmm. I think what we've got here, Gary, is uh, the phrase "build Babel back better." <laughs> B B B B. I guess the four B or whatever you want to say. Yeah, it might make a good T-shirt. I think we could do that. I think we could do that. So, build Babel back better. What what the Great Reset is in this build back better program that they're talking about within our government and governments all over the world is really just an effort to 
to do exactly what they did at the Tower of Babel. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier that phrase, make a name for ourselves. You know, that comes from the story of the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. And it said, they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They use bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let's build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Yeah, there it is. You know, there's a lot of... of, of um symbolism here in the, the idea of making bricks versus using stone. Uh, the, the sages all talk about this and then the idea that God made the stones and, you know, altars were made out of unhewn stones because it wasn't about man's creation. It was about God's creation. And when they, the, the whole idea of making bricks of their own was they were going to do it their way and not God's way. Yes, and, and, and that reference Gary was talking about, Deuteronomy 27, 27, God says to build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stone. That's what he always wanted was an altar of stone, mm-hmm. right? But no, man's like, we got this. We can do this better. We will make our bricks, okay? We'll have a hand in this. This will be our creation. And um, so they use the bricks. So that's a a, 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 a concept that you might just read over and not really think about okay so they right. use bricks okay yeah. big deal right yeah but there's so much more to that so much more and it's in and of itself it just seems like a simple maybe innocent uh, statement but there's mu- a lot of symbolism there and, and and they knew what they were doing they knew what they were doing you know what's interesting back in the 90s when the, they were first talking about the european union mm. they actually created a poster gary and you may have seen this and they the poster for this european union was the tower of Babel. Mm. And you're like, really? Yeah, really. In your face, this, God, right? Really? That's yeah. what it was, that yeah. unfinished tower. And basically the implication is we're going to finish it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And what's interesting, I was reading, and so I had to go, I, I read this and then I had to go look it up. Um, on that poster, it has little people down in the corner, the ones who are uh, building the tower. When you look real closely at them, they're little Lego people. They're made out of bricks. Mm. The people are made out of the brick. And it's almost like it, it's using the people to build the tower. Wow. And it's clearly there. I was like, really? So I got in. You can you can find this poster on mm-hmm. the Internet, okay? Mm-hmm. And you can zero in. And sure enough, they're little brick people. The people are brick. Is that the one with the crane on top of the Babel, or am I thinking? No, of a... that's not the crane. It's got okay. the uh, I think it's eleven stars, but they're upside down, and okay. that's got its own symbolism, right. you know, in the occult and everything. Well, because I, I remember during the '90s there was a there was a, uh, a software company that was making a, a, a translation software. You know, you could universally talk, speak into it, and it would automatically translate into another language. Voice recognition. It was the beginning of back that, that technology, and I believe it was that company that used the Tower of Babel also. Mm-hmm. And had the crane on top of it as if they were now finishing it. Yeah. And I think if I remember correctly, it said something about um, defeating the curse of Babel. Yeah. And and such arrogance. In fact, there was one one particular um, 
company that uh, that bought the company that I used to work for, and the the uh, they ended up going to jail for corruption because they it's a long story, <laughs> but I think God took care of that real quickly. But I I also um, I will not use the translation or the uh, the language um, uh, tutor, tutorial babble, babble because of the name. Yes, I would never use it. Yes, because it's all in your face, God. In my opinion, using that term. Yes, yeah. yes, it's all about the people. It's all about themselves. It's mm-hmm. not about God. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite uh, Torah teachers that I you've heard me mention before, Skip Moen, mm-hmm. he did a whole article, um, a, a whole teaching on what he called political idolatry. And you can look up, uh, that up under skipmoen.com and type in political idolatry. And he said this was the state's attempt to usurp the roles and the rituals that rightly belong to God. Mm-hmm. So, He was looking at Isaiah 14, and it says there, For you have said in your heart, I will go up to the heavens, I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit in the mount of meeting in the side of the north. I will rise over the heights of the clouds. I will be compared to the Most High. Once again, a reference to to Satan. Mm -hmm. And this is an interesting idea here, this idea of uh, when the state or uh, anyone begins to think and act like God, okay? I'm going to be compared to God. I will be compared to the Most High. The Hebrew word there, dama, means to make oneself like, okay, to resemble. Mm. But you know how in the Hebrew, how each letter uh, represents a picture? Sure. So you can look at the Hebrew word pictures for a, for a word, mm-hmm. which is fascinating. Yes, always it is in the Hebrew word picture for um, I will compare myself to is behold the door of chaos. Now that is incredible. Wow. I mean, when you think about what we have in the form of government, you know, our our founding fathers um, wanted to keep government, and I know it was a debate. But they really, the, the, those who won out wanted to keep the federal government small and keep the power with the people. And I think this is part of the reason. When you think about everything that's coming out of Washington, is it not the door of chaos? I mean, oh my gosh. I Once mean, again, audience, you see me roll it. You can't see me rolling my eyes with yeah. this. It's like, come, <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, yes. think about it. The larger the government gets, the more chaotic it is and the less that gets done. Yes. You know, the state itself, the government begins to think and act like God, just like mm-hmm. Nimrod. Okay, mm-hmm. get, get, I'm going to take God's place. You're going to get dependent on me. They do the very things that we see happening every day, regulating economic transca- transactions. That's redistributing wealth. We mm-hmm. see that all the time. Controlling education, mm-hmm. providing alternative religious practices that glorify the state. That all happened all during COVID. It even yeah. had their priests that we had to bow down to. <sighs> And, and obey. And then uh, the, the worst is determining what is good and what is evil. Yeah. Setting up an alternative justice system yeah, the to God. The, and God it's says. always what is good is evil and what is evil is good. Absolutely. You know? No doubt in my mind. Um, so when the state do- starts doing this, comparing itself to the most high, what we have is the door to chaos. Mm. I, I just Clearly. love Hebrew. I, I love Hebrew. <laughs> So, you know, I was looking, I've been studying some in, um, I've been reading through Hosea and 
I saw something when I was reading Hosea chapter 2 that actually also is very much related to this topic. And remember in Hosea, he's told to take a prostitute, Gomer, mm-hmm. for, his, for a wife. And uh, she runs after her lovers, okay? And it's, it's interesting. It says in chapter 2 uh, about Gomer. And I would just say let's replace the name Gomer with those who depend on government. Mm. I will pursue my lovers who give me food and water, wool, flax, olive oil, and wine. And God says, for she, Gomer, for she, or those who depend on government, doesn't know that it was I who gave her the grain, the wine, and the oil. Mm. So what happens when people depend on government who run after lovers who they think provides these things? I will take back my grain at harvest time and my wine in its season. I will snatch away my wool and flax. Wow. He removes, he removes his provision. He removes it. So then what we have, we have chaos. Yes. If you, he said, if you want it, basically, if you want it, if that's what you want, go ahead here. Run after it. Run after after your lovers. I won't be here anymore. That's right. So we get uh, this misconception at best that it is the government providing these things. This is this political idolatry, mm-hmm. right? We forget who actually provides these things. We run after them. And God's like, okay, that's that's fine. That's yeah. what you think. I'll, I'll let you at it. Yeah. You know, you know, this system, this great reset is a worldwide effort. Mm-hmm. And it's enabled with all the technology that we have in a way that could never have happened in the past. We could never have a worldwide movement, literally every part of the world, like we can have today because That's of true. communication and technology and so forth. And um, I was reading in some different places, and even when I was reading about the Great Reset, because remember, All of this is taking control through the use of money printing and controlling finances. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's how the control is going to happen. They're not going to necessarily line you up and shoot you in the head. Now, that could come down the road. Okay, (laughs) but but the reason that it's so effective is that it doesn't look like that. Right. Okay. it it, it's just a it's a financial thing. And that's Mm -hmm. why people. It can happen and you can be slowly boiled in the water, okay, before you really realize that you're completely controlled. Completely controlled, yeah. It's kind of angel of light type of uh, situation here. You know, you don't, you don't, he doesn't come at you as a monster. He comes at you as an angel of light. The angel of light, that's that's absolutely it. But, you know, Daniel, the book of Daniel, he has a vision and it's talking about the fourth beast. And and, and I'm not going to go into great detail here about these beasts and what they mean, but... You know, they are representing different kingdoms. And it says in chapter seven, after that, in my vision, I looked and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. The fourth kingdom will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth. So these beasts are kingdoms, and this one devours the entire earth. Mm -hmm. Could 
this kingdom that is totally different from all other kingdoms. Remember, most kingdoms were based on conquest of land, right? Right. Um, of uh, there could be religious battles and land and ethnic things, but what's going on here is a conquest through a financial. Is it possible that this kingdom is a financial kingdom, and that's what makes it different from every other kingdom? It, it, it's very possible because I mean, when you think about what you know, world war would mean in a nuclear age, there'd be nothing left. But if you want to con you know, have total conquest and you want to have total control, there's a way of doing that without destroying destroying the everything. Earth. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And 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 it's relatively easy. And if you listen to our first podcast, that's exactly what the Great Reset is. That's exactly the direction that it's going in. It is a worldwide kingdom in a way. Mm -hmm. We 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 talked about that earlier. Is man setting up his own kingdom? Right. Okay. Without God, but using the financial sector and the control of money and the control of banks and so forth and lending and so forth to make it happen. And you know how you see how easy it can be. You know, we we saw the protest, the truckers protest in Canada. What what broke that up? When they seized their bank accounts, when they controlled everything, they had no source of income, no source of sustenance. It dissipated immediately. Exactly. Yes, yes. So that control is very easy to take when you control finances. You know, the the visions that Daniel got, Daniel got, he got another interesting one. He was talking about these horns and says in verse uh, is saying, well, I was thinking about the horns there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them. And three of the first horns were uprooted. And this horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being and a mouth that spoke boastfully. And what, what's happening is a horn always represents authority. Okay. In the Bible. So, the horn, the authority that rises from this fourth kingdom, this fourth beast, I believe is the Antichrist. Mm. He doesn't necessarily set up the fourth kingdom. He just takes advantage of what is already set up. Yeah. Okay. We're doing a good job it's of setting coming, the table. Yes. That's, yeah. the, the table is being set. The kingdom is being created, mm. ready for the Antichrist to rise up this horn, okay, that comes up. I, I, to take advantage of that. Sure. Now, once again, I'm always careful to say, thus saith the Lord, <laughs> but I'm just trying to use wisdom and context and look at patterns and, 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 and read the current events of the day and, and, and try to make the sense in things as Hebraically as possible. Right. And biblically as possible. As I mean, you know, because yes. we, we have to look through God's eyes and not uh, just, just the, our surroundings. Right. Right. You know, we, this is not the topic here is is not about these kingdoms and it's not specifically just about the Antichrist and all the tough times we're going to get into. But indeed, we are going to go be going mm -hmm. through tough times. And it, it it says in Daniel that as I watched this horn, OK, which I believe is the Antichrist, mm -hmm. was waging war against two, the holy, holy people. people and defeating them. Okay, so he's going after the representative people mm -hmm. and defeating them until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people of the Most High. And the time came when they possessed the kingdom. That's huge. The timing there. 
there's there's a real struggle ahead. Let's talk about that a second. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. There is a struggle. You know, there is a movement uh, uh, about now of uh, people talking about this um, um, this dominion, taking dominion of the earth now, and we're going to take back over control and authority of all these um, um, places of authority, education, government, uh, media, um, the, the, the powers of influence. I, call, I think they call them the mountains of influence. Mm-hmm. And that the believers are going to take back all over this and everything's going to be great. We're just on the edge of doing this. It's And, and we're going to be controlling everything. I, I think this verse... And clearly, patterns set up in the Bible say that's not necessarily going to happen that way, gang. Yeah, Kathy, you met, you mentioned patterns. I mean, just let's just look at, at history, you know, biblical history. Um, when when Yeshua said to the, to those who were listening, to his disciples and others, that at the end time it would be like the days of Noah. Uh, in, in, and he mentions that in Matthew twenty four thirty seven. Nothing great about that. Nothing great about that. In in Luke uh, chapter seventeen, he mentions not only Noah but Lot. And in both mm-hmm. cases, we see God's judgment and destruction coming. And, and, and intense evil. In, in intense those evil. evil. So yes. he before his return, things are not good. Mm-hmm. So for for the for those to be thinking that somehow we're going to set up this you know you, you maybe a, a believer's utopia so that he could come back that doesn't fit the pattern it doesn't fit the pattern of god god created and it was good man corrupted we talked about this a moment ago and what do we have he takes a remnant noah and his family and he he he, he brings judgment to the world and saves a remnant then we start over there's a, a god reset mm-hmm. And what happens? Man corrupts it, we, to the point where we see our friend Nimrod and Babel. What happens? God takes it into his hands again, and he chooses a man. He chooses Abraham. You know, and, and again, there's no coincidence there. I, I love juxtaposition within the Bible. We have the story of Babel, and then we have God choosing Nimrod. That's right. We have man corrupt, and then God doing his, his uh, you know, taking matters into his hands to bring about restoration. Right. Choosing Abraham. Choosing Abraham right. was about bringing about restoration. The restoration process began with Abraham mm-hmm. and has been going on now for 4,000 years. You know, everybody in our generation wants things instantaneously, like it's going to happen overnight. <laughs> but 4,000 years ago, God chooses Abraham. He takes, it takes a man who become a people and he needed a place for all this restoration process to happen. And I know we'll talk in a moment mm-hmm. about some of that, some of the things we've witnessed in history that are about that restoration process. But that's God's pattern. He has to take he has to to bring about a, a restoration because man corrupts. So what what has happened since the you know that that process since the rebirth of Israel since uh, you know we were as we're watching the regathering, man is corrupting in the process of you know in, in, simultaneously we're watching God's if you have eyes to see we're watching God restore while man corrupts. We're watching it before our eyes. It's happening at the same time. At the same time. And 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 there's no pattern, I don't think, of which we ever have, as human beings, built this utopia. Never. But with, without him doing it, 
that doesn't mean that we don't get involved in the restoration work that God is doing. Amen. Yes. And See, we're going to talk about that some more too and what that is. And because you guys he, have heard us talk about it already. Well, but yeah, but he needs his remnant. Yes. He, he always he always depends on a remnant to continue. The, the reason we're sitting here today is because there was a remnant that kept the word, his word alive. Right. And it's always just a remnant. It's not us taking over the world. No. We do not take over the world. We do not take over government. We do not take over media. We don't. We don't need to. God could use the remnant to do exactly what he needs to be done. To the point where then he comes and and his son takes the government upon his shoulders. Exactly. 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 So what we're saying here is that no one's going to build Babel back better. Okay. That's not going to happen. The efforts are going to be there. They're going to be very intense. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and, and we see them accelerating every day, but in the end, that's not going to be any more successful than the first tower of Babel. Okay, because God's that's just right. not going to have that. His order has been established, and that's what it's going to be. Amen. But so while we have to be very careful with uh, ways of thinking, movements that say we're taking back over everything, at the same time, we have to recognize that the restoration is occurring. You said it started with Abraham. It's been mm-hmm. a slow process. But with the restoration that we're also talking about here is the one of Acts 3, where Peter is talking and he says, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Mm. That's in Acts 3. There's so much in that right there. But what one thing we see is that God is doing the restoration. Right. Okay? He's doing it. Now, we can partner with him, okay, as yes. we always talk about. But what is the key word in that? The key word is repent. Amen. It's repent. If, if we've got movements of God supposedly happening in our world today that don't begin and end with repent, then they are false, Gary. That's all there Absolutely. is to it. And, and, and we know what that leads and, to. Right. Yeah. And if it's not repent, if, it's, if the movement is everything's going your way, keep it up. Soon everything's going to be great. You're going to be in charge. You guys are the believing people of God and you're going to, you've got this and there's no repent. No way. No way. No it's way. It's not going to happen. That is false. That's it, false. It, it's false prophets. And, and you know, you, you and I were talking prior to the program and, and we, you, you made a, an incredible observation with Jeremiah. Uh, saying, you know, to, we, we know from Jeremiah um, chapter 37, you know, he went before the king uh, and, and he says, where, where, are your, where are those prophets of yours that said, that, said everything, that Babylon wasn't coming? That's right. Said everything was going to be great. Everything's going to be great. And, and I, I thought that's perfect. And where did, you know, he ended up in jail. That's right. Because Zedekiah didn't uh, care, care for, you know, this, that this, good news. That, that good news. <laughs> and, you know, we know from history, Babylon came, Nebuchadnezzar, right. Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed. But all the, the false prophets were saying, oh, no, it, it, it'll never happen. I, I was saying, Gary, you know, um, I don't believe that there's ever been a false prophet who has ever 
I mean, prophesied anything but good. False right. prophets have always prophesied something good. They've always been the ear ticklers. Yes, They've always been exactly. The ones that tell you what you want to hear. And that's all. That's always been the false prophet. And the real prophet is saying, no, no, no. Repent, repent, repent. That's right. Turn, turn back to God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, destruction is coming. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And 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 some people do repent. The destruction still comes, okay? You know, if we think for one second in this nation we're not going to reap what we've sown over the last oh how many goodness. years? Yeah. You know, uh, there's no example of that in the Bible, okay? No, no, now, can individuals come. repent and turn back? Absolutely. Yes. Yes, they yes. can. But if we think for one second that it's not going to come, that's just not not true. There's no, just... it's not true. And and I think this. But we're looking looking at this battle play out. And um, you know, you uh, you mentioned also Psalm two uh, in our conversation, and I think I think it's important that we do read it mm-hmm. because I mentioned earlier that. Anti-Semitism and and you know, hatred for the Jewish people and hatred for the the true remnant in the church. Uh, we like to say the representative people in mm-hmm. both camps. I mean, we're one camp, really. Right, one camp. The representative people, and this is what Psalm two says about the representative people. Why do the nations conspire and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, "Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles." The one enthroned in heaven laughs, and the Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them with his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I think it's so important that we make that connection, that God God is laughing at these people, but we have to be that people. We still are his representative people. I like that. Yeah. Yes. At the same time, he's gone. I'm going to take this, these people out who think they're mm-hmm. doing this. And at the same time, we have to be those people. Yes. We have to continue being those people. We have to be his, we his have anointed, to be his his anointed representative people. But he's people. laughing and scoffing at those who are fighting against, against us. Against us, yes. Yeah. And it's going to look like, just like it said in Daniel, that we're losing. That, that we're losing. Mm-hmm. That's what it's going to look like. Okay. Yeah. If you look around, if you don't see it through spiritual eyes, exactly. it's going to look like we're losing. That's great. You know, the restoration involves a number of things that get restored. And and the first thing that gets restored in this great restoration is the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. That's happened. Okay. Check. Yes. Yep. That's Check happened. That one off. Okay. Yep. That, that's happened. Um, the next thing that gets restored is the people. Mm-hmm. Gary, you're doing that every day in the work with Ezra International. Every day we see his people going home. A, a, the restoration process of the of the nation and the people back to the nation, the land, Eretz Israel, is happening every single day right before our eyes, and we that you know that's one of the reasons we're using this platform, this medium to 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 shout that from the rooftops, people, we're living in that day. I think that that is so cool when people realize that, you know, Ezekiel talk, talked about the Valley of Dry Bones mm-hmm. and that of, of literally restoring flesh to these dry bones, yes. you know, and, 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 and putting a spirit in these people. And I was like, well, that's a great restoration picture right there. Sure. It's a great sure. restoration. And we've mentioned before, one of your favorite verses in Jeremiah 16, 
you know, as surely uh, the days are coming when it will no longer be said, as surely as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites up out of Egypt, but it will be said as surely as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites up out of the land of the north and out of all the countries where he had banished them. Mm. For I will restore them to the land I gave their ancestors. There's your word, restore. There's your word. And every time, Kathy, you and I have both walked that land. And you know that you're walking in a miracle. Now, it's taken blood, it's spilled blood, and they're fighting just as it did in the days of Joshua. The, the, the Israelites, they, they are still, those in Israel today, the IDF, and all those who are there are still fighting to keep that land and keep still, but they represent God's promise. And every time we've walked in that land, and I, I, I can't remember a time where I haven't uh, found myself just in awe. Uh, every step, every, every time I look around, every building, every stone, every tree, all represents God's faithfulness uh, to, this, to this promise. You're walking in a miracle. I can hear, every time I, I walk and crunch on gravel or stone or dirt, I, I'm back in Israel in my mind. Uh, it's just, this is, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. You know, I, one of my, one of my girls is in Israel right now and um, she just been sending me videos of the celebrations that they've had because of, you know, the birthday celebrations and all of the people and their celebration. And you watch those videos and she's experienced this right now. The, the, all of those ancient prophecies are being fulfilled. Uh, The people are back and she's just drinking it all in as she and 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 thoroughly understands the gravity of what that means that's beautiful and everyone needs to i I, i'm so i'm happy for her and i'm happy for everybody who's experienced it because it's it's reality disguised in you know how we talk about uh, in our podcast uh, tagline the miraculous in the mundane the, the intersection of miraculous and mundane, because what do you have in Israel? You have, you have a, an army, you have a sanitation department, you have <laughs> buildings, you have, you know, you have to go to the DMV and get your life. That's, those are practical, mundane things that have to happen in order for a commonwealth, for, an, for a, a nation to be restored. But that is also represents the miraculous because they disappeared for 2,000 years and yet they're back. There they are. So the miraculous and the mundane meet in Israel. God, the, you know, heaven and earth meet in Israel. And, and you don't think I'm all excited about oh, this. No. I, 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 you know, this is, this is so important <laughs> for our audience to understand. You know, um, what we do every time we're here with you in this podcast is another big part of the restoration. Sure. The Torah is being restored Amen. to all believers. Amen. And, and why not? The Torah is the teachings of God. Okay? We've used the word law that has a negative connotation, but it's teachings. Right in the middle of that word Torah is the word or, which is light. Amen. Light, teachings, guidance. Why would we not want the teachings of God? Well, because Satan's gotten in there and, and messed that up over the years and convinced those some within the church that those are dead and done away with. Yeah, it, it, that's such a tragedy. It's so sad that we could take something as beautiful as God's instructions, a loving father for his children giving instructions and make it out to be a, 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 an awful thing, a, a, a 
almost a, a curse word in Christianity, the law. Oh, the law, that evil law. So now, there's, there's Satan and his wisdom in religious affairs, Amen. so you in fact, you know, yes. he's really good at corrupting right there in our faith-based systems, right there. Mm -hmm. You know, God's teachings are only for a redeemed people. Amen. I don't know how many times we have to say this, Gary. Keep saying it, girl. Keep saying <laughs> it. You know, um, the, 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 the pattern is that the Israelites left Egypt. They were redeemed by God in the blood of the Lamb. And then they went to Sinai and they received Torah. That's it right. is only for redeemed people. It does not happen the other way around. And if you believed you're redeemed people of God, then these teachings are for you. This is how you live your life as a redeemed person, Amen. because you can't figure it out on your own. No. You can't follow your own little heart. Left to our own heart and our own devices, we will corrupt it once we again. We will corrupt it, but we don't have to do that. We can That's just right. turn right to the Word, and we can read those teachings and learn how to be redeemed. And, you know, once you've been redeemed, what do we do? The Bible says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Amen. John 14, 15. It does not get any simpler than that, folks. That's if it. you love me, you'll keep my commandments. There is there is no need to twist that theology all around. It is just not necessary. It is clearly right there and in many, many, many other places, you know. So uh, well said, Kathy. It's so simple, really, because what is the answer to corruption? Obedience to, to these words. So the, the Torah will give you the instruction of how to stay uncorrupted. You know, as you as we walk, every time God sets things in motion, man corrupts. But He gave us instruction how to prevent becoming and the corrupted. choice to follow. As you said, that was what grace is. God giving us the ability to choose. Yes. Him. Him. Right. Yes, exactly. And right. we and choose choose life. In choose the life. Yes. Right. You know, uh, if I were to uh, give out a prize to someone in the audience who knew my favorite Bible verse, <laughs> I think many of you would be able to say Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed by lack of knowledge. But let's read a little further on Hosea. Right after that, it says, because you rejected knowledge, I will also reject you as priests for me mm. because you have forgotten the Torah of your God. I will also forget your children. Oh, that is, it's, it's tragic. You know, we run around, uh, Christians run around saying we're, we're kings and priests, you know, and uh, if, if you have not, if you're not obeying his instruction, then he has rejected you. And you might be professing being a, a priest, but if you're not keeping his word, uh, again, I'm I'm That's not your witness. I'm not the judge here, but I'm looking at his word of God, the word of God, and you just read it, and he says he, he you have forgotten the Torah, therefore he will forget your children. Right. Wow. Wow, that's powerful. And once again, so simple. Yeah. God's order is so simple, mm -hmm. and then Satan comes in and just corrupts that or order a new world order. Yeah. Okay, where <laughs> obedience to God does not matter anymore. In fact, it's a bad thing. That's a new New world order. Uh huh. That's a new world order. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, so Christians are living in a new world order, whether they live, realize it or not, if they're not keeping his commandments. Yes. And again, their hearts may be in the right place as far as they know. They think they're loving God, but they have been deceived into right. thinking that this is if not important. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You know, Isaiah 2 tells us that in the, in the, uh, during the millennial reign, when Yeshua returns, he's sitting on the throne in Jerusalem, the temple of God. And it says, he will teach us his way so that we may walk in his paths. The Torah will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Amen. It's going out from the king himself, sitting there in Zion. You know, so it seems like a really good idea to start practicing that right now. Sure you does. Know, that's what's getting restored. That seems like a good idea. You know, Revelations 12, 17, you know, it, it, you can always figure out if you're on the right team. When you, if you're on God's side, if you're on the side that Satan is against, okay, mm -hmm. if you're on the side and he's trying to destroy you, uh, you're on the right, you're right side. On the right path. Revelation 12, 17 says the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commandments and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Both of those things. Both together. Both together. Keep the commandments and hold to their testimony of there Jesus. It is. Wow, it's that's who Satan's coming after. Now, I, I know that's not a feel-good message, No, but no. that's the people you want to be. Yes. That's the group you want to be in. Is that, the one that Satan is going after? Yeah, that, this is this is a this is where it gets real. Yes, it's not about the ear tickling and and everything is is going to turn out uh, perfect. No, this is about you stay obedient, you keep the commandments, love Him, keep professing Him, uh, trust and faith in okay. Jehovah. You know, Israel's Messiah is going to be restored in Zechariah twelve ten tells us that I will pour out that on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. Mm. And the kingdom is being restored. So yes. the Messiah is being restored. The kingdom is being restored. And I, I, in, ja in Genesis 49, where the prophecy about Judah, okay, mm -hmm. where there's prophecy over all the tribes, and it says that Judah is a, a young lion. My son, you return from the prey like a lion. He crouches and lies down. Who dares rouse him? Then it goes, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes and the obedience of the nations is his. Mm -hmm. Shiloh being a reference to our Messiah. Messiah yes. The scepter, his kingdom, it's in his hand. It, That's right. it, you know, and it, it it stays in his hand and it's clear that it's in the hand of the Lion of Judah. Mm -hmm. Okay? And what belongs to him? Obedience of the nations. Genesis 49. And, and he will have it. He will have he it with a rod of iron, or he'll have it voluntarily. Yeah, and yes. we we choose yes. Yes. to follow him now. Yes. So so what do you do? I if I don't like I said, always say, um, repent is always the first thing that Number you do. One. Number one, you have to examine yourself and say, where am I not lining up with God's teachings? And you repent from that and you start right now and you start trying to line up. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. That is 
perfectly fine, but you need to look at your attitudes, look at your behaviors. Where am I um, making my own bricks to build my own Babel without God? Right. And, 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 and repent from that. Amen. Remember, holy is not perfect. It means set apart. Set Just apart. set apart yourself from the world. Yes. So I, I would say we talked about anointing. We're going to talk about it again next uh, in the next podcast. Use your anointing to serve God uh, rather than serving man. We always talk about partnering with God. He's got cool things going on in the restoration. The work of the Aliyah is something that all believers could participate in in, in, in lots of different ways. The work of the restoration, all people can participate in. I would encourage you to study the entire word of God, not just from the book of Matthew on the whole story. Amen. Right. And, and ask God how, how to be obedient. If that's not something you've been thinking about in the past as a believer, ask God about it. Mm. Open up his word. Um, I can give you easy hints. Start with the, the feast celebrations. Amen. Those are fun, joyous, who doesn't want to add another celebration? Good place to start. And, and and share what you've been hearing in the news of the restoration with others. I want all of you to do your own homework. Research the Great Reset for yourself. Don't just take our words for it. You can go straight to the horse's mouth, the, the World Economic Forum, the UN, the White House.gov. But remember, in all things, you're seeking truth first. I wish I could say that everything from now until Jesus returns is going to be easy, but the Bible clearly says otherwise. There will be great darkness, but in great darkness, a light shines brighter, and we have to be that light. Yeah. You know, the world's elite are certainly making plans, and they're executing their plans right now, whether you know it or not. We see it each time we hear the news of the day. But as Gary said, Psalm 2 tells us that God laughs at man's plans and plots to dismantle his order and destroy his people. This is not to say that we don't have a spiritual battle on our hands. We most certainly do. And the sooner we realize we're already on the battlefield, the better. The good news is that we know that if we stay on God's team, we're on the winning side. Until next time, remember what the psalmist said, those who love your Torah have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. Shalom. Shalom. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time on Torah Talk.